I do. Uh, do you want a drum roll? Because I use a drum roll when I do it. On... <laughs> yeah, hey, let's it. just start this bad boy up because we should be in the WXNA studios right now on your airwaves live on Sunday night from Nashville, Tennessee. But instead, you are now tuned in to Walk It Off, your home for sports talk radio every Sunday night from quarantine this week. Plot twist, still your term. (laughs) So if you come and find it, (laughs) if you're listening, you did the extra legwork, the extra layer, and have either found us through our social media at Walk It Off Radio or our website, walkitoffradio.com. And thank you so much for going the extra layer because we did not want to leave you guys hanging. We had vacation last week, and unfortunately, somewhere along that line, I just found out tonight that I was in close contact with a few people who tested positive for COVID. Taking one at home test, which came back negative, feeling all right. So we should be good to go. But out of an abundance of caution, as they say, have to be here in quarantine for a couple days outside the WXNA studios and did not have time to prepare any any pre-records for you. So we feel so bad not being on the airwaves tonight not being there in your in your archives if you're one of the people who listen to the show later on at wxnafm.org please please continue to do that support the station buy some swag hit that donate button all that is great great stuff but yeah we're happy to have this this backup plan right here that we usually get together and do our midweek happy hour hang which is so much fun but right now we're doing it on sunday night kind of in lieu of being on the airwaves for the regular show. It's a bit of a change of pace, but like you said, luckily we're comfortable with doing this now. And we have this backup that, you know, the joys of multimedia, omnichannel, digital worlds that we live in. But uh, I will say a couple things that I miss. uh, Well, just one thing I miss. I miss starting it up with Bob O'Reilly today. That was that was kind of tough. Oh shit, we should have done that. I know. I I didn't realize it until we until you were kicking it off for not your first time doing it with the video, but the most of the time that we've been doing the happy hour hangs, I have been kicking them off. And this time you are because it is a Sunday night and we're sticking to the tradition. But I normally give a little bit of Wait, wait, wait. With your hosts, Drew and, and Dave. <laughs> And that's how it goes. All right, now we're good. All right, now we're good. I love it. Thank you for that. <laughs> but I also couldn't do air drums to Bob O'Reilly right before we go on the air, and uh, I, I missed that. But yeah, that's right. Because we're doing like it's not a joke to anybody that's listening. Like this is what's happening in the studio. There are there's a lot of animation. Drew is always pumping and dancing as the show's getting going. Always. And you gotta get the energy, man. You gotta get fired up to. For our hour of airwave time together. That's what we do. That's how we do it. So, I also say we didn't prepare a musical halftime cue either, but I think we're it gonna go probably would have been Eddie Arnold's "Let's Drop the Puck" of National course. Predators version. When in, in Rome, tribute to the first week of the season. Yeah. Well, the commitment I'll make is I'll link that in the uh, to Spotify in the description here Ooh, on YouTube, strong. so that anybody can go pull it up because. We talk, we've said tradition a few times today, and it's kind of cool that you and I get to talk about the traditions of Walk It Off Radio, because we've established a decent amount. 
one of them is to play drop the puck when the season is starting and through any big games sometimes or anything when we're just excited for that puck to drop. And that Eddie Arnold song is is part of the DNA of Walk It Off now. Absolutely, man. And we do get moving and grooving during our little halftime break. All the time. All the time. Yep, it's a it's a cool atmosphere. Fun stuff for you guys. That's what we do, man. I love it. So speaking of dropping the puck. They did. They did. It started. The games (laughs) count. And the Preds are 0-2. But they were both one-loss games. Very close, but no points. Doesn't count. Too bad, so sad. You hate to start out this way, but at least, you know, there are some good things to take away. But, man, it's this is that season that's we're really curious how it's going to go. The first season where... David Poyle has admitted the Preds are in what he terms a competitive rebuild. And how competitive and how much of a rebuild happen are going to depend on those results on the ice. No, and We got good news right before the season started with the Preds announcing they re-signed Matt Ekholm to a four-year contract, which is great. After all the trade rumors he went through last year, yeah. just such a steady, steady presence. As that you know, as that left hand shot on the blue line. This this felt like a good move for the Preds to keep some of that together, but of course you got people there who are saying tear it all down. Why are you resigning veterans at this point if you're going through a rebuild? Well, exactly a competitive rebuild. While it sounds nice, that's also kind of the worst place to be in any sport right now. If you're on that borderline playoff team, you're not winning championships. And you're not getting high draft picks. I know. I, I am so torn on this subject, and I have been ever since we started talking about the process, and probably even before then, about the best way to approach a situation like this. I, I think one of the things you always have to look at is who your GM is and what their track record is. And a lot of times, most of the times even, clubs don't have something to point to because when you're coming into a situation like this, you usually have a new GM uh, somebody who's come in to helm something like this because everything went to hell at some point. Uh, so, but we're lucky to not have that situation. And we've got David Poyle, who, if anybody can navigate us through it, I, I think it is him uh, because it is doable. But I, the, I just don't know how because you're right. You lose assets. You lose levers to pull by doing this. Um, but I have to say, I don't think the Predators were so bad that they are that they that it warranted something like that. I think they're I think they're still in tweak mode. The way that I read his comments more than anything is lower your expectations from going to the Stanley Cup and bear with us as we make these tweaks because we're not the team we were three years ago coming off a Stanley Cup run. We're a team that. It is and should be playoff bound, but we've got some some more stuff to figure out, some unpredictability before we get there. Man, in a total surprise, I agree with you here. <laughs> Mark that the on the Preds have just been too good a team. Yeah, to tear it all down. There's a lot there. Again, this this team took the Canes almost to the limit. That overtime loss that knocked them out of the playoffs last season. That was a good team that the Preds took to the limit in the first round of the playoff series. 
it's still a very competitive team. And this soft rebuild kind of thing just means you're getting some of those younger players in there getting a chance for real minutes. So you have still your core of players who is, again, way too good to be a bad team in the NHL. With yeah. UC Soros, with the blue line that the Preds have established, with Matt Ekholm and with you know, with guys like Robin Yossi there, everything that they've got going on, with that top the Yofa line's not together anymore. We lost Victor Arvidsson, which is very sad. But Phil Forsberg is still there, needing a contract extension if you're going to be keeping this band together. You know, they weren't able to get out from underneath the Johansson or Duchesne contracts. But this is still a team with a lot of talent there. Mikael Granlund was resigned, and surprisingly, wearing the A to start the season over Phil Forsberg, which shows how much the Spreads team thinks of Granlund and the progress he made and what he meant to this team last season. But then you're also incorporating, honestly, a pretty strong youth movement yeah. to that core. You've got defenders like Dante Fabro and Alexander Carrier who already put in important playoff minutes for this team and showed they belonged, as well as, you know, the beast line with <laughs> with your guys like Yakov Trainin. Uh, Kelly Yarncroke is gone from this team right now, too. But all of a sudden, Ily Tolvanen is going to be playing big-time minutes, counted on as a goal-scoring role. Phil Tomasino has a spot on the main team. Igor Rafanyasev played some serious minutes right after getting drafted in the preseason and probably isn't too far away there in the AHL. There's a lot of, of younger talent coming up to join this strong core, which can lead to an unpredictable season. We don't know where this Preds team is going to be halfway through. If they lose a bunch of games early, do they try to sell off some veterans? Uh, do they attach some draft picks to get out from under those contracts and embrace a rebuild with this youth movement that they have right now? But if they win, you could still see this team definitely being in a spot to trade for some more veterans True. and go on a run because the talent is still there. The core is still there. It's a transitional season but I don't think a rebuild is what the Preds have in mind. No. And while it hurts to lose those first two games, especially that first game, which was, as we've all seen the banner now, <laughs> the first win for the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, you don't want to go down in history as the loser. And, and even if it's a relatively meaningless game like that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's never a good feeling. But... Uh, but what's cool is that we got to play the Kraken, and we, it was a competitive game, and and you were there, and I want to hear about that. But but I, I want to focus on something you just said that I really appreciated, that I think is the rebuild here, which is when you look at a rebuild in any other situation, when they break it down, you're right, they collect that young talent, and then they play them, and that's still part of the rebuild. I think what we're talking about here is the latter stages of a rebuild like that because we've collected that young talent. We didn't need to break it all down to get that on our team. So that puts us in that area of being competitive while also seeing where these folks fit on our team. Can they be as good as a lot of them looked last year? Can they reach the potential of their draft status and things like that? And so those are the variables that, that we're dealing with here. And of course, you know what? What what do some of these veterans have in their 
in their tank and all that. And the normal narratives that we have uh, with the Predators every year, you know, with the veterans and, and the team meshing and those things. But we're not always talking about young players coming up, maybe one every season, something like that. And we're, you know, well, we're always talking about Tolvanen every season and seeing when he's going to hit. only last year got his first real playing time. Yeah. After, what, two, three years of being a top prospect. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it, he's one of the most exciting players this year, and he's finally had a chance to prove himself. And, I mean, he started off with a goal. So, I mean, we're... Yeah, first goal of the season. Heck the yeah. Was Ellie Tolvanen. It's, that's really exciting. So, I, I think this team has the perfect blend of leadership and veterans and young players. I mean, let's not forget about Soros back there, too, who's getting better every season. I, this is not a team well, that... wasn't a finalist uh, last year. How cool is that? It's it. All those lead to the term competitive rebuild. We're talking about buzz terms, right? Like, we don't need to get too worked up about it. That is just an apt thing here is we've got some some foundations to lay while we are competitive and, frankly, can still be in the running for even – I mean, this is a team that can be a Stanley Cup team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think our expectations are there. I think if it meshes, but – I mean, this is a team that can compete and go on a playoff run. I don't think it's out of the. I don't think it's out of the uh, um, out of the realm of possibility. It's not. I mean, you get you make it to the playoffs, you get a hot goalie. We've seen that happen time again in the NHL. But the only thing against that is saying there were clear rebuilding trades, like Victor Arvidsson for draft picks, true, true. and of course the big one that's going to be discussed for a while was sending Ryan Ellis to the Flyers. And getting back Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick, who was then spun off for Cody Glass. Yeah. And our my first impressions being there at that game, watching, you know, analyzing for our, as a radio host, sitting yeah. there at the game. My very first impression of this year's Preds team is that Ellie Tolvanen looked like he was ready to make the jump. Even before he scored that goal, he was electric in the first period of that game. Every time he touched the puck, his moves in space were freed up. They just missed on a couple of home run passes. Tolvanen looked like a dangerous, dangerous man nonstop out there on the ice. And him taking that leap that we've expected for three or four years now would be huge for this team. The other big takeaways I had from this game weren't quite as kind, though. The same problem that has plagued the Preds, I feel like for, for time immortal for this team has been the center position. And with them spending so lavishly on a pair of $8 million a year centers in Johansson and Duchesne, thinking you finally have that, neither of those guys have really impressed enough yet. And then with them spinning off Nolan Patrick for Cody Glass, not sold on Glass, wouldn't have been sold on Patrick either for that matter. There's a lot of upside there. Again, if you're incorporating this youth in there, Getting a guy like Glass with so much upside is a nice play, but he was absolutely invisible in that first game. I forgot he was on the ice at times, maybe besides one or two times crashing the net, but he was pretty much invisible the entire game as someone with a big spotlight on him this year. And then Phil Myers. I remember when this trade went down, I defended this trade on air, and a big part of that was that the Preds have again the position they're in they have so much depth they really like alexander carrier dante fabro's shown he can be a dangerous guy on that blue line 
And as a fan of a team in the Metro Division, the Islanders, I saw a lot of Phil Myers. And he had his offseason last year. But before that, I really like Phil Myers' game. He's a young player with a huge body and a big slap shot. The sky's basically the limit for him. Again, being able to play next to somebody like Matt Ekholm, next to somebody like Roman Yossi, perhaps, although you know, Fabro has been playing with him mostly there. There's a lot of chances for Myers to be a big... I think he could be a... Of you know, not quite the player Ryan Ellis was. Ryan Ellis was a star for the Preds for years, but a player who can give you almost you know seventy to eighty percent of what Ryan Ellis was, in the addition to one of the Preds' biggest weakness, which is size on that blue line. They've had so much skill there, so many great defensemen, but they haven't had that enforcer type. Uh, Borvieski was supposed to add a lot of that attitude, and he ended up missing most of last season. You know, now coming to light with some of his issues which hopefully he got under control in the offseason. He was a healthy scratch for these first games, but we don't know how much we can count on there. But a big takeaway I had from that first game was that Phil Myers does not play to his size, right? or isn't right now. He had some confidence issues last season, which were pretty obvious. We were hoping a change of scenery could get that at a team that's known for its defensive prowess. But confidence issues still looked like he was there. He was playing very tentative hockey especially for such a big guy. And that's not what you want to see from him. You, you need to see him use that size. He was he looked like he was afraid to take the big slap shots at time as well, just kind of dumping it in more often than that. Hopefully that is just a confidence thing that doesn't linger, and they can get Myers straightened out. He is a young defenseman. The talent's very obvious when you see him. But that was something that was plaguing the Preds that was very noticeable in that first game against the Kraken. The whole team played pretty tentatively. They weren't the aggressors. This straightened out a bit in the second game against the Hurricanes, where they took a ton of shots on goal and were skating, playing faster, just looking like a better team, frankly, despite the one-goal loss. And, man, how frustrating is it that in both games they were down one late, pulled the goalie, allowed an empty netter, and then scored another goal. I know. So the empty net goal was the decider in both games so far. Just, ah, that stings. It, it does. But that's part of the strategy, you know? Like, you, you do that to create those opportunities, but that's that's really tough. Uh, it, all the things you're talking about, though, lead me to what I think is the, the number one variable of this whole season, which is John Hines. And, John Hines. And whether he can, he can bring all that together. And, 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 I mean, tell me if you think otherwise, but that tentative play – is something that's been kind of frustrating in the John Hines era. and Absolutely. And so I, I'm disappointed to hear that assessment so far. I agree with you in, the, in, in what I've watched. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch every minute of the first couple games and, and dive into them, but that, that's what I've seen in a lot of it. It's He's going to have to figure a lot of this out, and, and I'm sorry to keep going back to the theme of competitive rebuilding because I don't want to turn that into the buzzword <laughs> of the day. But if we're kind of breaking that down, that's a big part of this. I mean, this is a this has got to be a make-or-break kind of thing for John Hines because he had such a weird year last year where he looked pretty pitiful. I Honestly, I, he was a very frustrating yeah. person to fans. And then the team fans. kind of got together later on. And, and like we talked about a ton last year, that wasn't because of John Hines. That was because we of injuries and things like that that allowed new energy and new faces to come up and play. And, and, and in fairness to him, 
he adapted to that. He was forced into that situation, but he adapted to it. And we, I hope that creates some momentum that he can pick up on here because this is up to him. There, it, going back to my point about the fact that this team can get into the playoffs and make a playoff run, look at that lineup. Look at all these players you've talked about. Look at the, all the opportunity and upside. If, if upside shows up and the, and the lines show up and they mesh and the captain choices and everything like this really pay off, this team, and, and Soros takes his big step that we continue to see, There's this team should compete. But the person that needs to bring all that together is John Hines. And I'm not sold on that right now. This, this season, I think he has every opportunity to do it, but I also think that David Poyle saying, don't get too hot-headed. Don't be too reactive, Nashville. We're still rebuilding, and we got some shit to fix, some stuff to figure out. I'm trying to. I, I forgot that it's Sunday night, and we're not on the radio. We're not on the radio. We can do it, <laughs> but you know, we're radio professionals as, yeah. as well. We can put together a radio-friendly FCC show, of obviously, Except as for we've been slip. doing for five years. Yeah, that's true. But. It comes. This is uh, this is more informal, all right. Is. This is usually the happy hour hang, which is more informal and involves some beers. What are you drinking tonight, man? I've got a nice bottle of water to hydrate. As you should. I was worried about, you know, certain tests coming through today. So and, and there I, you go. That's what I'm drinking tonight. I probably should be doing like the I same. usually am during our shows on air. Exactly. Yeah. We, we, there's a lot of dancing and there's a lot of uh, of, 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 <laughs> of of water intake. But that's that's inside baseball for you guys who did come here and listen. That's mostly what our halftime break is about. It's true. So that we can <laughs> take a little breather from talking nonstop, get a sip of water, yeah, dance it off a little bit, and maybe discuss you know where where we want to go with the last part of the show. Make yep. sure we get all that stuff in there for you, which we need to do. And it never when we're in the station and play some cool songs includes beer. I'm never drinking a beer in there, but <laughs> I'm home. I, and, well, I guess I'm always home for the most part when we're doing our Sunday that shows. Lucky cat you had there. But uh, but I don't I don't drink even on our Sunday night shows. But I do during our things. But yeah, it's exactly what this is. This is a uh, Three Sons Brewing, far from East Double Rice India Pale Ale, and that cat is saying hello to you. Double rice beer, huh? Yeah, Double Rice India Pale Ale. Uh, Straight out of terrible. Three Sons Brewing in Dania Beach, Florida. So it's uh it's decent. I've been sipping on it for a minute now. <laughs> Let's just say that it's not horrible, but uh, not what I'm totally feeling tonight. But it was a Sunday night. I was trying to get some football on earlier and uh, bopping around the house, trying to get comfy after. I I was traveling as well uh, over the last few days, and so it's nice just to be home, as I'm sure you can relate to. And, uh, Hopefully yours went a lot smoother, buddy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, as we were comparing stories before getting on the air, it uh, it did. But um, nonetheless, exhausting. So here we are, decompressing with a beer, agua, walk it off, some sports talk, and uh, life is good. And hey, man, I'll tell you also from, from being at the games, you know, the Preds start out with a nice little homestand to start this season. Your opinion is very agreed on among the Smashville faithful. John Hines does not have very many fans out there in the stands. And I believe this is fair. Again, the big energy boost last season came from that herd line. Yeah. Which was, again, just injury fill-ins. But David Poyle recognized this, you know. 
the team protected Tanner Janot in the expansion draft. They kept that band together. Yakov Trainin had a fight where he definitely won against the Kraken in that first game. Showing a little bit of energy, they can still be that production and energetic line that this team needs. But John Hines... Look, we were, it was kind of a curious hire when it happened. His only real record of success was the year Tanner Hall, Taylor Hall went absolutely insane for the Devils, winning the Hart Trophy. So if you don't have that Taylor Hall, there's not much there. And hopefully, you know, we, we can lean into that a bit this year because there will be more energy. There will be, uh, you know, Cody Glass, Phil Tomasino, Ellie Tolvanen, the Herd Line carry it you know there's a lot of youth here yeah that can hopefully bring some fresh legs bring some energy to this team but there needs to be that fight that uh, you know doesn't necessarily mean hockey goon mentality as much as we feel every team need kind of need somebody like that a little bit of that for sure but you need guys who are going to win those battles in the corners and you need like we've been saying postseason after postseason you need that big body that kind of mean defenseman Who's going to make sure guys don't camp out in front of your net for rebounds? Yeah. And Pecorine was the guy with the most attitude of clearing the front of the net in the last few postseasons. True, true. And we've, we've seen, in, especially in the Kraken game, I mean, they created a lot of confusion doing that, and there were some rebounds to to do that. I mean, we, we just can't have it happen. So, yeah. Well, maybe Ely Tolvin will be his Hart Trophy winner this year. Hey, there's a there lot of go. talents here. I still do think this is a very competitive Preds team. It'll be very disappointing if they are in a position to tear it down by the trade deadline. The Central Division is is winnable. I mean, well, not winnable. The Avalanche are going to win the Central. I don't think there's much much debate about that. That's fair. But the playoff spots are quite winnable. Now, the only team that you can say is totally out of it this early in the season are the Arizona Coyotes, who are in the middle of their own non-competitive rebuild which is going splendidly through the beginning of the season, let's just say. Yeah. Yikes. I know. But, hey, know. they're in the Central now, our new neighbors, and I, you couldn't have asked for a nicer team no, to join your division This is right the now. time. Yep. I'm curious how Chicago... And it was cool seeing the Kraken on the ice, man. Yeah. It was great. Their colors are beautiful. We had some dissent, more dissent than I thought in the, among the crowd who weren't fans of their road kits, of that minty, that, that ice blue yeah. that they have on the... Uh, road uniforms, but their flag up there and it, you know, in the rafters hanging with all the other teams looks fantastic. The logo projected onto the ice looks so good. Unfortunately, the Preds didn't have a big show before it, like the Vegas Gold, the Knights did, but nobody puts on a show like Vegas. Yeah, come on. We know that. It was still fun, and the atmosphere was incredible. You know, Smashville's always going to be the best seventh man in the business. Always. That stadium was rocking, it was loud. When the goals were scored, it exploded. Whether people were uh, high dapping or whatever you had to do in this weird time <laughs> to get in there, you know, yeah. vaccinated only at Bridgestone right now. But hey, man, Smashville's back. We're so ready for it, and we got more games at home coming up. So let's let's fill out this month and get a couple of wins. That'd be real nice. Yeah, let's get on a run. Uh, you're, the foundation is there, like we talked about, both with the lineup and the plan and even the performance of these first couple games I, I think we can see this coming together but it's got to now I mean I, I really don't want to be talking about in three weeks what kind of team are the Nashville Predators you know I, I 
we no. may ha- we may have to, and I don't want to say that's the worst thing in the world because it's still three weeks in. But I'd really like to see this team come together and and really understand who they are and what kind of identity that they have early on with just just some consistent play. You know, five or six games strung together, even if they're not all wins, where we see a consistent game plan and and play into those strengths and uh, and, and really cleaning up some of the small things and. You know the blocking and tackling, as they say, and th- that would be really encouraging for me to see early in this season. But um, either way, we're going to have a fun team this year, man. There's no doubt about that, and I'm going to really, really stoked to see some of these young stars emerge. To see Saros this year continue his run, like I think he can be elite, and I think that's one of the greatest attributes of this team right now. Beyond what I think is the greatest attribute is, I, I really honestly think this team is a is a team. I, I think that they've got great leaders on it. I think that's one of the things that's carried them through from their Stanley Cup run until now. And I I I, I have I've said that I have a lot of faith in David Boyle, and I my comments earlier demonstrated that. But I still have a, a fair amount of skepticism in his in some moves and things like that because they're risky. But what I always have faith in David Poyle in doing is bringing players into the locker room that are con- going to continue with that culture and, and and continue to have the kind of gelling that we expect of the National Predators to have. And that, foundationally, is one of the great things that's going to can, can push them forward and makes them not have to go into a full-on rebuild. So we, we've got the tools. I'm just excited to see the team come together and and man, it's hockey season. It started. Let's do it. It's happening. Yeah, man. The puck's been dropped, as Eddie Arnold would say, or you know, some paraphrasing thereof. And it was nice to see. As much as we talked about the youth movement, the big names have goals already on the board. True. Joe Forsberg put in a goal yesterday. Ryan Johansson put in a goal yesterday. The captain, Roman Yossi, scored a goal in the first game. Ellie Tolvanen was the first pred on the board. You know, these are the guys you count on to make sure this. This team is competitive, and having them break the ice early, that can only help. Now yeah. I just need to get those wins on the board for sure. No doubt, man. No doubt. It's exciting. And I'm glad you were there for the, for yeah, the Kraken's uh, first win. <laughs> but for the Predators, I know. Of being with, with our fans in Smashville and everything, man. Yeah. It's just the place to be. And, hey, wait a second. This needs to be said. Say it. I can't believe we didn't know this when we were there for the playoffs last year. Because apparently it's been there for that long. Nashville's beloved, not existent anymore, Rotier's Restaurant has a stand at Bridgestone Arena. Don't mess with me, man. It, it's no, still, it, does, it, it does now still? Still. There's no Rotier's Restaurant, unfortunately, you know, out there off West End anymore. But... There is a Rotier stand at Bridgestone. So you can go get a French bread burger down there? Oh, you can. That's the life. Yeah. Apparently that's been there since the playoffs last year. We Come missed on, it. man. So all, right. all of you listeners out there who didn't tell us that, you're missing our brand because this is very important yeah. news. I think we've talked <laughs> about how much we love Rotiers on this show. So uh, It's tragic. Yeah, it is tragic. John, new Nashville stuff taking over, that corner especially. I'm sure that but is man, tough. Uh, yeah, you can order it on Goldbelly as well. 
Interesting. Not to not to throw in some advertisements, which we wouldn't be doing if we no. were on the air. No, no, no. But, but something man, new to learn. If you can eat a Rotiers burger and you haven't had the chance yet, worth your time. Heck yeah. Man, that was exciting to see at the stadium. So we'll, when we're back, we'll definitely be hitting that up some more. You know, a lot of the... Uh, there's still some, let's just say, supply chain issues with stadium... <laughs> Stadium concessions going on lately. I bet, I bet, and at least there's people showing up to ensure that they're all open because that was one of the tough, uh, tough things early on too. But uh, damn it, where's the cough button on this thing? <laughs> where's our board? I, I tried. I tried to talk loud enough over you, but it, it didn't work. <laughs> A cough, cough, cough cover, cough cover. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's uh, that's exciting, and that's still there, though. So I, I can't wait. I'll be getting into town sometime soon to go check out a Preds game. But the good news is, yeah, beyond course, that... The ticket's going on sale for yeah. Preds Stadium Series at Nissan Stadium. Yeah. This is a big year for the Preds no matter what, because we finally got our outdoor game. And can't wait to be a part of that as well. I'm super excited. I can't wait. I'm really hoping to be there for that. So, oh. <sighs> So many things to look forward to. And yeah, every but... every sport in the world is going on right now, too, Drew. What is up with that? Hey, the NBA starts this week. Let's drop – well, let's let's throw the ball in the air, not drop it. The opposite. Yeah, way. yeah. Let's, let's, let's throw the let's ball. Let's jump the ball. Let's jump the ball. Yeah, I like that. Where's our Memphis Grizzlies let's jump the ball song? But, man, it's, again, we're excited for this Grizz season as well. This – Preseason was basically a John Morant dunks highlight film. This is what you can expect from this team. They're going to be fun. The news that Dylan Brooks isn't going to be ready for the start of the season is a real bummer. It is. After his big step forward in the playoffs last season. But Jaron Jackson's healthy from the beginning of this year. And this is that deep Grizzlies team. But, of course, the big selling point is John Morant. Yeah. and is ascent to superstardom as well as just one of the most entertaining players to watch. I might posit that he's just about the most entertaining player to watch, at least pound for pound. <laughs> Definitely pound for pound. But I I, I entirely agree. Like if it, what I the way I like to rank in active players nowadays is I can't remember who started doing it. Maybe it was uh uh one of the guys with Grantland or ESPN, but it's and not everybody's doing it. Tiering, right? Like there, we don't need to decide one between the other, but there's a top tier, right? And there's multiple players there, and there is no doubt that John Morant is in the top tier with just a few other players of the most exciting individuals to watch in the NBA. And we've got him in Memphis, and the only thing that's keeping him, Drew, for being the well, the only two things keeping him from being one of the more Exciting, all uh, like superstars out there are a successful team. You know they've been moving in the right direction, but a playoff run this year would really cement that. But two is it's one of the things I lament often about the NBA is he's in Memphis, and I love Memphis. You know my we've talked about my my Phoenix Suns are similar too. You know it's just not one of the markets that gets all of the attention and. Even if there are great players there, and he will he will still be able to ascend to superstardom, it's just not going to be as visible or recognizable if he's in you know L.A. or or elsewhere. So um, 
I feel like there's less of that now, though, because we do have that league pass ability to watch teams you might not see normally. That's true. And then look at where's, look at some of the superstars that are sticking around right now. I mean, the big one, of course, is Giannis Antetokounmpo staying in Milwaukee, leading to the championship last Fair year enough. after signing the Supermax. Everybody knows Giannis, and he plays in Milwaukee. Another one of your that's a great smaller point. markets. That's a great point. Dame Lillard and Williamson is a hundred percent. Those tier of exciting players. Zion Williamson is right there. Yes, playing in New Orleans with yep. the Pelicans, who have been as irrelevant as they come for a while. That's a great point. That's a great point. And he had he still leads Ja to be in the pound for pound entertaining basketball champ. For sure, for sure. He's he's half of a Zion, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great point. Maybe maybe I'm a little jaded by it, but. Um, either way, he's still got some ground to dig out of and to to get there. And I think this year it happens, honestly. Like, I have not been more excited for a Grizzlies season since this season because talk about a team that has just consistently moved in the right direction. And you just can't ask for much more out of an NBA team. And this just feels like that just year that next step. where the big step happens. Uh I'm excited for him. And I think I mentioned it on the air on one of the Happy Hour Hangs a while ago on the GM survey, the number one pick for breakout star this year was Jaron Jackson Jr. Pair him with with, uh, with with the whole rest of that team, and we've got something special, man. Uh, pair him with Ja, especially, and it's, it's going to be exciting. We were still kind of looking for them to turn some of that depth into more maybe star power in the starting lineup. That didn't happen. But again, this is going to be a good team. I don't know if they made that next step to title contenders, which is the next step from where they are. I don't know if they're there yet, but, you know, getting Jaron Jackson back, having him take the step forward that he could, that would be a huge link in that puzzle. And, hey, if you want that excitement, two of the Grizz's first three games are against L.A. teams. So... Let's get that let's get that excitement. Let's get all those eyes on what can be a really, really fun Grizzlies team. A really competitive Grizzlies team. Hey, knock the Lakers out last year, right? Heck yeah, man, let's do it. They uh it, it's fun to no, knock, knock the Lakers the Warriors out. out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> knock the Warriors out. The Suns knock the Lakers out, and I can tell you from experience, it's fun when it happens. So <laughs> this team can do it. Biggest point. This team can do it. And it's one of those teams that can establish themselves. We might be halfway through the season where they have something similar to what the Suns did last year, where they wind up top four in the West, and that that's when you, it clicks in your head. That's the narrative. That's going to be hard for these guys to understand, honestly, because they haven't been there, and there's so many young guys, to say, we are a title contender. Because no matter how much you try to hype yourself up and do it, it's really hard to believe that your team can do it before you beat some of those big guys. But... You're right. You start off bit beating the Clippers and the Lakers. If this team starts 3-0, and I think something's going to click in their brain saying, oh, all right, now I've seen the evidence. We can do this. We're a team made to do it, and they could go on a run there. Uh, who knows? There's a lot of variables to it, man, but it's going to be really exciting. And what we do know, season starts Wednesday. God, I can't believe that. I cannot believe it starts, that. It, at the Grindhouse in Memphis against the Cleveland Cavs. So let's get fired up for another great sports season with everything going on, man. Again, we got the Preds back on the ice in games that matter. The Grizz start games that matter Wednesday. Nashville SC 
is in the middle of a big-time chase right now for the playoffs. Man, that number two seed would be something special if they can pull that one off. We just got another point on the road. Joe Willis's 13th clean sheet of the year. Insane. Unbelievable what he's been doing this year. What's that? Three in a row on the road, I think, have all been shutouts. Two in a row, three of four. I know. Yep. The way this team is playing this year, still undefeated at home. This deep into the year, less than a month left in the MLS regular season. It's been amazing what Nashville SC has been able to do. Yep. And it's also amazing that there's still a lot more work to be done. Yeah. Because they really want that number two seed. The number one seed, the Revolution, are way up there. It's too much. Uh, it sucks. It is what it is because that's the only buy in the MLS playoff format. But, hey, if Nashville SC, if the standings hold where they are right now, and Nashville SC has that two seed, and the seven seed, Montreal, is what they're playing in the first round. That's a great matchup for NSC. It is. The best defensive team in the league, by far the least goals allowed, is playing a team that has the most trouble scoring in the MLS, which sounds great for Nashville SC. On the other hand, the team that's in that sixth seed, if you slip down a little bit, is NYCFC, which has had a tough season. But man, that's such a talented team, such a volatile team. And we saw that with them breaking Nashville SC's undefeated streak, unbeaten streak yeah. a while back. They're a lot scarier than Montreal to me. Yeah. So I'm really hoping those matchups hold Yeah. going into the playoffs in this last month of the regular season. Me too. And, you know, I, I, I'm curious what it might be if somebody like Atlanta slipped down there too. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're pretty – pretty behind in the goals for as well. I mean, 39 on the season and they're a team. They're that, a dangerous team. They are a dangerous team, but that rivalry would be fun. Uh, the playoffs. And, and yeah, it's in a team that, that I honestly think we could beat. What I love about our Nashville SC game, and this is what you look forward to as a fan at, in any season. I don't, I'm not scared of anybody. The, the revolution are kind of nutty, but I, I still am not scared of them. I really honestly, I, I want a good matchup. He's taking care of business this season. They have. So, obviously, I want the best matchup for us because anything can happen. But I, anywhere this lands, Nashville SC has got a shot. I really feel like it. They're, you know, I, here you and I, I feel like we're, we're just pumping everybody. We always do that. But, like, there's excitement between every team. We're right the most now. optimistic sports show we, in town. We are. Or we do hold people's feet to the fire, all that's, right? That's true, too. Look, John Hines. Play to your size, Phil Meyer. Dad. Yeah, I know. Come on. But with that said, Nashville, I think, is the most exciting team, Nashville SC, in Nashville right now or in Tennessee. That's a hard thing to say because, I mean. They're winning. Well, they, they're not losing. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're getting points. Yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they were winning. They are. They have They've done some incredible things, and I think they're one of the strongest teams in Nashville sports right now. There's going to be a lot of contenders, and the Titans should be the number one contender right now, frankly. But NFL is always going to be the most exciting by default. Just by, just by default, but they're they're, it's the NFL. they're nipping yeah, at the heels. So many less games. Yeah, yeah. Every game's gonna. It's true. But uh, we're gonna get into the playoffs here pretty soon for Nashville and Nashville SC, and uh, they're. They're one of the strongest teams going right now, and it's fun. So, hey, now that you mentioned that, you want to talk about some bummer stuff? 
Let's let's do it. Let's let's drag this down a little. We've, we've taken it too high. So, UT fans, the hell are you doing? We know Wait, that's you that's put... heartbreaking. Tennessee fans know more than anyone else how heartbreaking it is to fall just a yard short. It's true. But you can't throw stuff on the field. No. You can't do that. You can't hit your own people, hit everybody else. Look, we all hate Lane Kiffin. Everybody hates Lane Kiffin. Yes. But seeing him get hit by a golf ball just makes him a hero. It's and true. Catching water bottles chucked at him. Yeah. This was absolutely insane fan behavior. And you got to think that there's going to be some serious punishment coming down. I mean, we've seen it in the past. Vanderbilt getting punished big time years and years ago for fans throwing just what was it a tennis ball or something on the court yeah now with this national tv sports center talking head debacle of all this trash getting thrown onto the field at neyland stadium after what was a really fired up fun football game with great crowd participation there's gonna be there's gotta be repercussions here yeah and you don't know what's off the table could the ncaa take away a bowl game from tennessee say you're not eligible to play in a bowl game this season yeah. If fans are doing this, you know there's going to be a, a huge fine at minimum. Could they say, could they take away that maximum capacity that's been, well, first of all, kind of scary, but also unbelievable seeing that atmosphere back at college football games. Yeah. There's a lot that's on the table right now, and no matter how this hammer comes down, it's kind of deserved. It, it There's no doubt about it. It's You, can't, you just can't act that way. Fans... Everybody's there for the fans in some way, right? Like that's why sports exist, and and I love athletes who want to put on a show for the fans and do well for the fans and support them, especially when there's not as much loyalty in sports as we had once seen, you know, by the athletes. Um, so I appreciate that they care about what the fans want and doing well by them. But there's there is so much onus on the fans to treat folks with respect out there. And we've we've just seen it mount in a lot of different ways over the last few years. It's been more and more disappointing how how fans the the inherent disrespect fans have for athletes as just performers, you know. And, and by performers, I mean just people who do what what the fans want them to do by buying a ticket. And there's there's a, it's just more example of how uh, how distance they feel and. Yeah, because it's well beyond Lane Kiffin, right? Like Lane Kiffin is is a kindling to this that's understandable, but there's a major disrespect for the groups on the field that fans show, and it's scary when you have that many people in one place that where a lot of them feel that way. Um, Look, but if you if you need anything, watch that ESPN documentary on Steve Bartman. Yeah, if you want to know how fast that herd mentality, that True. mob mentality, can get out of hand, it's a great point, and it's just be one. absolutely terrifying. I mean, yeah, you can't do that. You know what? I blame social media. <laughs> Just letting people get so close and feel like they have this this intimate connection to everything that's happening on the court, and yeah. not just there's truth there. But that should humanize them more too. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's uh, but and you're right. The visibility is going to be crazy because this isn't Vanderbilt. This is UT, and even though they play like Vanderbilt a lot of the time, they. Shots fired. I, I could say that because I, I, I am, I could care less about the the SEC. I have no f- fanaticism or allegiances in there. So, 
We're a uh, pro sports talk that's show, right. all right? That's Unless right. Unless the news comes out to us. That's right. So we also have to mention, of course, John Gruden getting yeah. kicked out Whew. of the NFL. Swift. Man, this was, uh, yeah, this is something else. As part of the Washington football team scandal, Gruden's emails to Bruce Allen got leaked out. And, man, he had some terrible opinions about a lot of different people. A lot of different people. Like, that was one of the things that shocked me is if there wasn't, like, a centralized, like, one thing he said about one person. These were a variety of diatribes with a variety of horrible racist and misogynistic things that he, that are, that are just not a great place. That he put in writing. That he put in writing. And what blows my mind is how, it just blows my mind for so many levels, Drew. So I'm not going to give you all the reasons that it does, but... It blows my mind that this is somebody who is so aware of public appearance. Obviously, because he's he's differentiated himself from who he is when he's having a personal conversation, from who he is when he's on Monday Night Football or or you know on HBO or whatever else. But and well, let's be honest here, I thought he was great on Monday Night Football, one of the best. And this I, was the same time this, these emails were taking place. Yep, it absolutely was. So. He is all he also he knows the difference between that, but he should know that that's still not the right medium to do that in. Like, I, like let me let me just be clear. Also, I, I, I you can't no nobody should have those opinions in any no in their head. And, and that's and, and that's what I want to be clear on. I want I want the opportunity to say that they're not proud of that. That was that's not the biggest takeaway here. Isn't that he didn't know the right place to say things, but. It just blew my mind that for somebody who's so aware that he wasn't able to figure out how to communicate. But now let's shift because that is not the biggest travesty here. And I want to be I want to be very, very clear. The biggest travesty here is how terrible he and he how terribly he thinks and acts and talks about people, which is indicative of to me. Because, like you said, this was a, a Washington football team investigation, an investigation of them that led to Who this. Who are currently cleared of everything. So This is so... To their fines, into that scummy organization. This Don't is so worry, persistent. Dad's not charged now. His wife is. And, and this is just because, because of that, too. I mean, like, you know that this scummy behavior is so pervasive and so persistent everywhere. And it's one more example of it. That should really, really ring an alarm in all our heads. That that what we see is not what we're getting. That we're we're that there are there is a whole lot more of really devious stuff happening in terms of how people think and the dehumanization across sports and disrespect, just like in Neil in, in stadium of of human beings. That that you know there we're, so much more is is going to come out and should come out. Um, it scares me to think that that's that's the kind of mentality that's running this ship, and that's horrible. That's horrifying. Yeah, release all the emails, NFL. There's yeah. no excuse not There's to no at this excuse. point. You, you you have to do that for the transparency. And but man, yeah, it, it is weird to see a coach get fired for things that he said years ago when he wasn't part of the NFL. Yep. But you have to. Yeah. What, you can't stay on after. These that you had these notions in your head becomes public knowledge. Yeah, like, that's crazy. And then if you look at the counterpoint to all of this, uh, look at look at Carl Nassib. 
Yeah. The, the first openly gay player in the NFL plays for the Raiders. And it's been a absolute non-story since he made this announcement. Yeah. All those fears, all that, oh, it's going to destroy the locker room. Nobody's going to want to play with him. We haven't heard a single story like that. Yeah. It, you could, I, I bet half of everybody listening here forgot that Carl Nassib <laughs> I did. The first openly gay player I did wonder if he was still it's on the Raiders. that much of a non-issue. Yeah, yeah. But then for him to read about all this shit that his coach was saying that comes out that way, it's just a little extra painful that it was that team. Yeah. But, man, points out there, you know. The NFL is going to move on, and just like society as a whole, progress might be incredibly slow, but it's coming. Yeah. So. Yep. And at least there wasn't a debate. Like that's one thing I'm happy about is like there wasn't. There, I'm sure there were small debates. I mean, I heard stories of like, well, he wasn't working for the NFL, so why should they fire him? Well, everybody said bad stuff in emails to friends. Yeah, I know. Around release everybody's text messages they've ever said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, do it. Well, not no, do it. <laughs> Let me think real quick. But uh, but really, like you know, there's some accountability that everybody should face, but. You know, especially, I don't know, I, the lesson learned is just get your shit in order. You know, it, like th- think about the way you think about people and how you talk about them and think, is this the way I'd want to be portrayed in something in a situation like that? Because there's a good chance that it's going to come to light at some point. And, you know, just be on the right side of things. Do good. What, what is it? What, just do the right thing. Is that what you say? You've been saying on this show all the time. Just like, just do the right thing. That's... That is what we've been saying on the show forever, man. Just, just treat each other decently. That's that's all there is to it. Treat each other decently, and this world would be an absolutely fine place. Yeah, you don't have to worry about any of that. What, like, why, why would you sit down and write horrific things about somebody like that? Like, what's driving you to do that? And I think that's the deeper seated thing. Is like, how how angry or frustrated or confused or or delusional was this guy to write that stuff like what, what was going through his head where he's like this makes this is the right thing to put down and that's what i just can't wrap uh, my head around yeah a, a public personality especially yeah. Yeah. but anybody anybody like yeah. i'm gonna share something here uh, it's personal <coughs> man i need a cutoff button in the studio here <laughs> drink my why my water in peace Clear my throat go to that preds game and cheer in Voice isn't quite back yet. Gotcha. Don't worry, the COVID test was negative. That's right. But, look, neither of us are parents. We don't have that thing there. But I will share one thing that my father told me when I was really young that has really stuck with me as kind of something so obvious to people that would help so much of the society. He said, look, if you're out with your friends and you're about to do something and you don't know if it's the right thing to do or not, here's the test. When you come home later, would you be embarrassed to tell me you did it? And great. That, that stuck with me. Yeah. You know, if, if you're thinking is something right or wrong, if you'd be embarrassed or worse, if that came to light publicly, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, truthfully. And... One of the things that, first off, I love that, and that's a great guiding light. What I've learned, what is, if I even get to that point now, it's like if I'm even debating if this is wrong or right, chances are it's not. 
It's not. It's just not the right way to go. It's usually pretty clear what the right thing to do is. But you're right. There's times where there's not, and I, I love that, Drew. I love that so much. I appreciate you sharing that because that's a that's a that's just a great way to think about it. And wh- whoever you would want to report back to, you know, whether it's it's your parents or your significant other or national or, media, national media. <laughs> you know, you know, as a parent, I'm not. But if you were a parent, like, you know, would you want to report back to your kids? That, that that you did that too, you know, like it, it's a great test, a great test, and you know, I like because I've thought about John Gruden's kids, you know, we, I've seen him at the airport here, you know, when he's came for the for the owners conferences and stuff like that, he's bopped around, and uh, you know, his kids got to see that his dad is that way, and I, I hope that they feel embarrassed for him and about him rather than feel like that's the right thing to do because that's the worst part. That would be the worst outcome of, of that kind of behavior. But, uh, you know, he's, he's got to be embarrassed in front of his kids now. That's disappointing. Man, I don't know how we got this far off on a tangent. <laughs> hard not to with that stuff sometimes. Like we, it, It's hard to talk about all this. And it's, we're at Sports Talk Show. We talk about the fun of sports. That's what we're here for. We, we said it earlier in the show. We're the most optimistic sports talk show you'll hear most of the time. We want this to be banter between your friends. But when there are big stories, we're going to talk about it. And when it comes down to is, again, just be decent to each other, all right? It's it. that easy. It's hard to see. It's always hard to see. It's a pain in the ass. But that's that's what happens, man. But, hey, we're still... Uh, we still got a lot more sports to talk about. Holy crap. We, we don't have to cut ourselves off at an hour right now. You can tune into WXNA, as you should, all the time. Even if we're not on the airwaves right now, there'll be music playing for you. You'll still have Ambient 101 taking over at 1 o'clock in the morning. There's so much good stuff there all the time. You know, we're sitting here following our fantasy teams, keeping up with what's going on. And we still got the MLB playoffs, man. We're, we know which one of four teams, four teams, half of them will be in the World Series right now, down to the championship series. And it's been exciting. The Dodgers just took the lead in the seventh inning of their game right now. What's going on as we record this against the Braves. Braves went up one nothing in that series with that walk-off hit from Austin Riley. When Ozzie Albies, good base running, Chris Taylor, bad base running, basically ended up deciding the game. But man, the, the Dodgers with that bullpen game to start out and the Braves with Max Reed, you really had to win that game. And they did. They took that first game. It's weird seeing the Braves as the home team, but we remember that the Dodgers were a wild card game this year. That's true. Team Isn't that year, nuts? They won 106 games. Yeah, probably. The, I haven't seen the odds, but probably the favorites at this point still too. By far the favorites. Yeah, yeah. And how fitting was it that Giants-Dodgers, that one heavyweight matchup that everyone wanted to see, <clears throat> ended up being the only series in the division series that went to a deciding game. Yeah. And then it was one hell of a deciding game, too. Oh, wasn't it? It, it was very fitting. Just but I have to say, I was disappointed because I liked all the other matchups, uh, especially the Sox-Houston matchup. That's one I was really, really, the White Sox-Houston uh, matchup that I was really hoping would go go all the way to a, to a game five. But... Alas, you're right. It is very fitting that the Dodgers Giants did, game did as well, and uh, or series did. So, and here we've got four good ones, four good teams here. 
How can you make that call on that Wilmer Flores check swing, though? I know. How can you end the series like you that? You can't Look, do that. I know. That was so hard to see. The Dodgers probably win anyways, barring that. Yes. But to take the bat out of his hands on a call that close yeah. in that situation was brutal, even though it ended up being the wrong call. Yeah. As every replay showed us, he, that wasn't a swing. Yeah. That was it's tough to It's real see. tough for Giants fans. It's it's tough for Dodgers fans even, too, to have that controversy yeah. attached to the end of what was a great game. Cody Bellinger coming through after his absolutely atrocious regular season. How shocking that was that he might have been the worst player in baseball this season right. as a full-time position player. Just years removed from MVP. Yeah. And then losing Max Muncie in the last game of the regular season. There's been so much drama already this playoffs, but it's also gone so fast. You know, we're we're two games into the championship series right yeah. now. Yeah, it's I feel like baseball, and I mean it's the five game series and wild cards, and the fact that they're playing a game almost every night that does that. But the man, the postseason always cruises. You blink, and we're already watching heavyweights. But then again, this this year was full of heavyweights, even in the wild card uh, game. So uh, this is this is an exciting one. What do you think of the matchups we got? It's kind of the four least likable teams possible, though. That are competing. God, that's a great. That's a great point. That's a that's a freaking fantastic point. I don't think. Sorry if you're fans of these teams. Obviously, if you're a fan of your team, you're a fan of your team. Yeah. Support them no matter what. But in the general zeitgeist, sure, these have to be four of the least likable teams in MLB. Yeah, and arguably the four least liked. The only two. I mean, you know, maybe there's someone not thinking of, but St. Louis is often in that mix. New York would definitely be in that mix. The Yankees. Sorry, thank you for clarifying. I can't just say New York. Uh, you, but, yeah, I think so. New Age ones, though. Atlanta is kind of New Age. They they got a lot of haters through the 90s, but, of course, some of their antics. They're just there every single season. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so don't forget that they were, you know, they basically their GM was banned for life from baseball for cheating. Yep. On the international market just a couple of years ago. Yep, and here they are, right back in it, right after that. Uh, you know, without Marcelo Zuna, who's you know on indefinite suspension right now. It's true. But, yeah, the Braves are probably the most likable team left, despite all of that stuff. Yeah. And here in Nashville, I know we got a lot of Braves fans. We're not just pacifying you. I don't like the Braves. <laughs> no, I've come, but, I've come around with Ronald Acuna and stuff like that. It's been It's been tough to dislike them as they've come around yeah yeah yeah. but i digress yeah the dodgers won last year nobody likes to see you know the powerhouse win every time and then you've got the houston astros on their redemption tour from their cheating scandal the red Sox also had their own cheating scandal brought back alex cora one of the main figures in the astros scandal who might win manager of the year this year and the two of them are facing off for the championship this year. Nuts. Not to mention that pretty much everybody in Austin is sick and tired of the Red Sox anyways. Yes. Man, it's just a weird a weird way to end this, except also kind of predictable. Yeah, and that's... that's The, the Red inf- Sox are the biggest underdog out of there, the team that yeah. went kind of worst at first. This yeah. Year? And, I mean, maybe that makes the Red Sox a little more likable outside of their scandal uh, proximity. Although... A lot of teams had scandal proximity. 
Yeah, and just being the Red Sox, but like they took a they took a big step back, and all of a sudden they're there. They're kind of the lovable underdogs to some degree, um, but ultimately a disliked team. Houston is the only one there. It's kind of got a short stay, even though it's a very very deserving one. Uh, it's just funny to think that two three years ago they were one of the more likable teams coming into the postseason, and now they're on the other side of that. And we're already seeing the same guys heroics man carlos correa yep. jose altuve postseason they're great great i know and, and some of my favorite players frankly but what can you do are they doing it without cheating now you know that there's always going to be that question there and there should be you know you get that black mark on you when when you come through a cheating scandal like that yep. so it's fair. You got to play through that, and whether this is sort of redemption for the Astros by being able to win with all that scrutiny on them and presumably not cheating. Yep. That could be one storyline, but the other is that you know these guys cheated. They all cheated. It's hard to root for them, no matter how much we like them as individual players and how we see postseason greatness. That's true. Among some of these guys, year after year after year, it certainly taints it. Isn't that sad? But you know, if, if there's a little silver lining, it's that if we see Dodgers Houston, we have some great memories from that. Like to see them that that clash some again. Angry memories from that for sure. I'm am just talking about from purely watching baseball. That was a heck of a series. So a rematch there, which if if I'm making my pick, is how this winds up. We we know we're going to be in for some nutty That's baseball. True. Well, so- some of the greatest postseason games we've seen. No doubt. And I hate that that's tainted too. I know. But man, it would be wild. So let's see. We still got a little ways to go. If the Dodgers hold on to the lead they have as they're record as we're recording this, both series will be tied at one game apiece. The Red Sox basically holy due to Kike Hernandez, who's been a postseason hero with the Dodgers, but man, he is having the week of his life, the postseason of his life right now, just red hot for the Red Sox. Carrying that team, Nathan Ovaldi, who you know, won the wild card game against the Yankees. Just excitement there. And, dude, how 2021 baseball is it that in our championship series, three out of the four teams in game one used eight pitchers apiece? It's a new age, man. That's really crazy. In game one of the championship yeah. series. Yeah. The supposed matchup of aces, usually. No, three out of the four teams used eight pitchers in that game one that's that's playoff baseball these days it is it is and like we talked about it's it's smart in terms of preserving players and having more options as the as the season as the series goes on it's but it's nuts to think that it's it's a whole new world that that's fun to watch i like that i like that and it's everything on the line you know we saw players are coming to the bullpen to get the save in that deciding game against the giants yeah that's just just what's what do what you got to do you got to do it this is how madison bumgarner became a legend yeah there's all these great great stories throughout the postseason and hey even if you don't like any of these teams we're gonna have some great baseball before this thing is done we're gonna have more history made and we'll be here to talk about it with you guys as long as i still have a voice (laughs) yeah i know i know sounds like we'll we'll get through it yeah yep you gotta go rest that thing man get some honey tea but hey let's Let's wrap it up with a with a couple more points. Um, congratulations to the Chicago Sky. Yes, winning the WNBA championship earlier today. Yep, man, that was that was something else. I, look, I'm sorry, 
it's got to be tough for you out there to see Phoenix lose in the finals in both professional basketball leagues here. <laughs> hey, I, I will take well, a yeah. loss in the finals and never get in there. The, uh, it, it was tough this year because that, that Mercury team is elite beyond fighters. measure. Uh, yeah, fighters. total fighters too. It's, but, um, you know, that the Chicago Sky are incredible. They've got, you know, Candace Parker, one of the best ever, which by the way, I went to breakfast downtown a while ago and who was having breakfast there? Candace Parker, right before game or no right between games. Yeah. Earlier on, it was pretty cool to see, but, uh, Man, that's awesome. And what a great story with her coming back to her hometown team and then being a big part of them winning the championship yep. this season. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yep. But yeah, there's there's some great talent there. You know, Courtney Vandersloot developed into one of the best point guards in the league this year. Yep. And the finals MVP, of course, uh, Kaylee Copper. Yeah. She is one of the most fun players to watch in the NBA. Just endless, endless energy and grit, man. Yeah. It was a fun team. They yep. knocked off the Connecticut Sun, who were the heavy, heavy favorites in the earlier round. Well deserved, Chicago. Very well deserved. Very well Our earned. First title. Yeah, can't believe it, man. But well earned. It's good to see them there, and it's good to see the Mercury in the mix at minimum. Yeah. All right. Well, I still have a little bit of a voice left. Fury versus Wilder. We didn't get to talk about. Oh my gosh! I can't believe we didn't get to talk about that. Man, what a fight! Yes. Ah. Deontay Wilder definitely went out on his shield this time. Yeah, he did. That was a battle. But Tyson Fury comes out the winner again. He's proved it. We don't need to see that fight anymore. But, man, this trilogy was was what we hoped for, man. Wilder ate a lot of punishment in this fight. But Fury also went down a few times. There yeah. was some drama. But, man, what a, what a fight. What a... Just both of these guys gave it absolutely everything. It was fun to see. What a knockout punch, man. God, I know. You just can't ask for much better in a heavyweight battle. And it just just goes to prove what you've been saying on this airwaves, these airwaves, for really since we started here, is that we're in a new elite era of heavyweight boxing, which makes boxing more exciting on its face because heavyweights, they carry just a, a, well, let's just say a lot more weight. In a lot of ways, when that's doing well, it's 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 it makes the whole sport more exciting. So, and this was the ultimate matchup. That put the shine back on it after Anthony Joshua had that upset loss again. True. Just a little, little bit earlier, but man, outside of heavyweights too, that fight that happened just this week. If you ever see Emmanuel Navarrete's name in a match, you watch it. Holy crap, man. Navarrete defending his WBO title there with a unanimous decision over Joey Gonzalez. This went to the distance, and Navarrete threw over 80 punches around. Just every every fight of his is insane. It's what, it's what you want to see every time you tune into a boxing match. Just crazy. Maybe you don't get that big knockout, but just the nonstop action. He works hard, Unreal man. Unreal with these guys he works hard. That's obvious. I couldn't throw 80 punches against air without getting hit. No way, dude. Rounds. No I way. Pass out right here. Absolutely. <laughs> but, hey, man, it's been great talking to you. I hate that we weren't on the WXNA airwaves tonight. Please go to WXNAFM.org. 
check out everything that's going on at that station. Hopefully we will be back after another negative COVID test next week. Free and clear on your airwaves, just like we are every Sunday night right here in Nashville. And man, we got, we'll have more stuff to talk about, of course. NBA will have started. Preds going on. Playoffs going on. Big week, man. Big week. Man, it's going to be fun. Time. Can't wait. See you next week while I still have some voice left, buddy. <laughs> All right. Take care of it. See you.